You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast from Soonerscoop.com podcast. We welcome in the entire gang as... Uh, I guess I should be somber and just not be too excited as the Oklahoma's coming off a loss to Kansas State. Uh, and uh, it has been awful. It, but, you know, we talked to Lincoln Riley yesterday. We'll talk to Alex Grinch today. We're doing this here podcast on a Wednesday morning. Uh, they kind of look back at what we saw on Saturday, and really nobody has looked back on it more than Josh McQuist, who joins us, along with Eddie Radosevich and Bob Prisbillo. Uh, Eddie and Bob were at the game. Josh uh, did the Monday morning idiot, idiot on Monday and uh, was not on the post game. Bob wasn't either, so uh, we actually have a couple of guys uh, that get to weigh in here with their first thoughts uh, since the game ended. And Josh, let's go ahead and start with you as is customary. You know, and I, I want to hear you know from Bob as well because I, I listened to the post game. But guys, this is one of those games that I can't. I don't think. I, I don't I don't know how to feel about it because in so many ways Oklahoma played well. I mean the defense. You're talking about First two half for eleven. Was a on, great performance. By two the defense. for eleven on third down. Nobody wins with that number. Nobody ever. Ten first downs total. Like those are things that a dominant defense does. That's what you're looking for. And somehow they gave up 38 points. And I mean we understand it. It was turnovers. It was big plays. Block like punt. you understand. That there were negatives, but like I, for me, and I, and I said it in the idiot, I'm more concerned about the offense right now because I don't know if there are the playmakers they need at the skill positions, and the offensive line, which is the thing we thought we could count on, is problematic. So I I, I don't yep. know what that offense does. I thought the defense had great stretches of the game. I thought the offense kind of sputtered all day. Yeah, and I I, I will say this too. It it was a a little bit of a uh, uh, just kind of a lot of things came together. I mean, Kansas State losing a bunch of their secondary members and then playing two safeties over the top all day uh, took away anything that Spencer Rattler had on the outside uh, and basically made it uh, you know a Austin Stogner game over the middle. Uh, and I'll say this. OU and Lincoln Riley, they can do this. It's not hard. They have to figure out their best weapons, their best playmakers to to catch short passes and to make yards after the catch. Because right now, they're relying way too much on Charleston Rambo to play that role, and he doesn't feel it well. There are definitely other players on the offense that can do better than him at that. Yeah, I kept tweeting all fourth quarter, this is the biggest drive of Spencer Rattler's career, and 
and there was like three drives in a row. I kept saying that. And then I realized he doesn't have CD lamb. He doesn't have that guy. He knows he can go to. So as much as we've talked about the collective group has been nice, not having a number one, not having someone that you could just, you know, turn, throw two, a two yard pass to lamb like Iowa state and Kansas state last year and just turn up field and go. You really saw the the what sort of what Josh was saying, the lack of an elite playmaker at this point, at this point of the season when it comes to the offense. Because there was no one those last two drives where you thought that's where Rattler should go. That's how this offense is gonna get moving again. And they don't have a number one because they determined that Charleston Rambo is their number one. And Yikes. he's not a number one. At least we haven't seen that through two games, right? I mean, he drops a pass in the end zone the first game. The those screen balls that they threw out to him, you're used to having somebody like a Marquise Brown, somebody like a Dede Westbrook, whoever that can yeah. get upfield. And I don't know if he was just waiting for blocks or if he just didn't have the confidence in being able to turn upfield. But, I mean, it, that did not look good. And it's kind of interesting. It's like now that we're a few days removed from it and, you know, hearing Bob and Josh talk about it, it it's weird to talk about Oklahoma losing that game and remembering that, like the way that, people have talked about that game in uh, the days after you would think that it's a situation that Oklahoma got beat by three touchdowns then that's not the case they were up by three touchdowns with 250 left I'm sorry for the submarine sounds I don't know what's going on I have no idea it was really bugging me though Bob's connection is strange weird um anyway I I, Josh, you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, you you went back and did Monday Morning Idiot. How bad is it from your perspective? You know, everybody wants to pin it on one guy or another guy, and I thought collectively it just wasn't good. I don't think Creed Humphrey had a good day. I don't think really anyone had a day they were that proud of. Now, having said that, if you want me to point out a guy that really needs to step it up and stop messing around, it's Tyrese Robinson. His fourth quarter was bad i mean bad bad you've got a freshman out there in anton harrison that i thought had a decent game really i mean it really i thought made spencer rattler a little more comfortable in the pocket but tyrese robinson had the penalties that you just run down the list of problems there for him in the fourth quarter and it was it was bad and i don't know if it's a conditioning thing i don't know if the offensive line hasn't spent a lot of time working together because you know we're all used to Oh, but Bill Bedenboe always is going to tinker and mess with that lineup, and sure, he really yeah. is a guy that focuses on, I want my best five, not necessarily my best left tackle, my best center. I want my best unit. And so he's working on that, and I understand that, and he didn't have the non-conference that we're all accustomed to for that to kind of get worked out. But, the, I mean, you guys talk about it. This is the game I thought was the danger game coming up in Iowa State the week before Texas. There's all the reason in the world you could think they could look ahead, all those things. But now you've got to go to Iowa State, your first road game, coming off a just a pitifully bad loss. And then Texas, guys, one in three is not entirely impossible. Like, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but this, especially that offensive line, needs to wake up and needs to do it fast. Is it fixable, Josh? I mean, and I, I think that the, there has been a growing sentiment out there that are Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes too heavy? You look at the last four possessions of the game. 
Marquise Hayes, hold. Puts him puts OU in first and 20 at their own 37. Uh, the next series, third and 10. Uh, you have another holding call that was offset by a Kansas State holding call. That's followed up by the third and 10 sack on Spencer Rattler. Oklahoma has to punt. Uh, you look at the next possession. Uh, you have uh, the third and seven. You have a holding call on Tyrese Robinson. I mean, it just, it seemed like they almost got tired. They got, they got their ass worn out, didn't they? Oh, I think they absolutely did. And I, I, I do. I want to be clear. I think it's fixable. I think this is one of those things, and I talk about it every year. There is a cohesion that an offensive line needs time to develop, and I think they are just having to do it literally on Saturdays. Like, here we go, game speed, let, let's do this. Like, th- there's just not been that normal time. And I think Oklahoma has got to find a way to, okay, we, we can't do this the way we've always done it. We're going to have to figure out something new. They're going to have to find out how they make that gel happen a little faster because you can't just keep learning on the fly, especially, like I said, with, you know, two of your tougher games on the season coming up in the next few weeks. So I think it can be fixed. I'm very interested to see if we, you know, um, we saw Andrew Rame a lot at left guard. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if maybe he gets some snap at the right side. I, I know in the preseason, Bill Biedenboe talked about him, but plays, excuse me, basically playing everywhere but left tackle. So you've got to think he can make it work at right guard. Um, that's the side of the line he spent a lot of time on uh, at Broken Arrow. So there are a lot of things that make that make sense for me, and I wonder if he gets some snaps in Oklahoma just, if nothing else, to put a little pressure on Robinson. Like, you know, I know you've been a 15-, 16-game starter, but now it's it's time, you know, for you to either – do something or we're going to, have to find another option which is a little surprising too i think just for the matter of the fact that i mean i know you're working some guys some new guys in there and their might their best drive on the ground might have been the drive that you had andrew ram at left guard anton harrison at left tackle which is kind of a coincidence that they're both freshmen but for the most part it's not like these guys haven't worked together ever i mean when you talk about creed humphrey tyrese robinson uh marquise hayes and Adrian Ely, all those guys have stars. played together. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they yep. just are getting out there for the first time. Oh, sure. And that's and that's fair. But, like, I mean, you talk about it, guys. I was looking at that offense, that, that group that started the game. There were four guys that were playing at a position they had started at before or at least had had any real starting experience. Four guys on that entire offense. And Braden Willis is one of them who has been an off-again, on-again starter and then you've got the three interior offensive linemen. You had Swenson and Ely flipped for, I don't, did anybody ask about that? That was a weird, <laughs> it lasted for a series, and they were like, oh, that that never mind, that didn't work. Um, it, it was, that whole thing was just very strange. It, it was, it almost felt like they ran to the wrong side of the line, and they were like, oh, screw it, let's just go with it. Um, <laughs> because there was, there was no commitment. I, I almost would rather them. let that be the excuse than the opposite of they were trying something new. Especially uh, when you hear Ely talk yesterday that he loves right tackle. Right. You could, like, yeah. Usually those guys don't care. Like, uh, whatever does the team best. But he was pretty adamant. Right tackles the spot that he wants to be at. Oh, I, I think that Bob, it's it's there's no doubt, and I think I've even put it in the uh, presser notes yesterday. Just as far as he is more comfortable at right tackle, and I think you know playing offensive line, I would have to think that being comfortable and confident in what you're doing is you know almost half the battle before the snap uh, the ball snapped. I don't give a shit if you're comfortable or not. You want to play left tackle. Trent Williams didn't want to play left tackle. 
He was a right tackle. Sure. He didn't want to move. He moved. It was the best thing that ever happened. Now he's one of the best. Oh, no doubt. He's been one of the best offensive linemen. I would imagine every morning when he looks at his bank account, he probably doesn't even have to. When you're that rich, you don't even look at your bank account. He's like, yeah, I made the right decision. I mean, Jamal, uh, 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 Orlando Brown, left tackle. He's right tackle now for the Ravens. Uh, They've got the Stanley guy at left tackle. But your value is greater if you can play left tackle. Now, just like Lane Johnson, I mean, he's moved to right tackle for the Eagles. But you want to be the left tackle. Like, that, that... you should never say, like, I'm fine being right tackle. That's that's where I'm comfortable. Like, nobody that's moved over to left tackle that played right is comfortable. You don't you don't move over there to be comfortable. You move over there to make yourself more money, to be more valuable. So I, I just I wish he I wish he wouldn't say that. And it's I mean it, it's kind of funny that like it, it it just depends on which way you want to look at it. Do you want to blame the offense? Do you want to blame the defense? When in reality both sides played terribly in the fourth quarter. The special teams, you get your first pump blocked in seven years, and all of a sudden, when you turn the ball over four times or six, if you want to go the Lincoln-Riley route of uh, the failed fourth-and-one conversion and the block punt, all of a sudden, you're really in a shithole. Here's what I, and Josh kind of pointed this out. I don't think the defense was as bad as it felt after the game. Like, yes, there were some monumental f***-ups by that defense. No doubt. Uh, but overall, it's still a defense that you don't want it to lose its confidence because it can't be. I mean, it 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 can play well, and it played well in the first half. It just had some terrible, terrible middle busts. Uh, and by the way, Brian Mead, Teddy Lehman came out and said this. Brian Mead was not responsible uh, for that. I mean, and that makes total sense. Like, who, what defensive coach in their right mind is going to have their middle linebacker, or weak side linebacker? running stride for stride with an empty set running back down the field 60 yards. No one. And if you do, you're a fucking moron. I mean, he was supposed to have... And it was obvious. When you watch the playback, Josh, like... Why are you, you pointing out a picture of Mike Stoops? Why'd you, you pick saw, out a program? And shut up! Out? Josh, when you rewatched the Monday Morning Idiot, I mean, you saw he was playing an area when, when he let him run by. So that kind of told you, like, he's not supposed to cover that guy. Oh, there's no question. I mean, now, my only problem with that reasoning is everybody else looks like they're playing man. Like, there's not a lot. Like, I, 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 maybe he got the call and everybody else didn't, or like, I, I, I could, and I, and you could absolutely see that because on the play, you see Meade look over, like he's looking at Woody Washington or looking at somebody. And he's trying to say something. Yeah. And so, like, I could absolutely get it if they saw what happened. Okay, Meade's been motioned out. Obviously, that's a matchup problem for us. Okay, let's change up the call. They should have called timeout there. I mean, that's yes, they should have called. Yes, but you've got to call timeout. Like, yeah. that, that, to me, that's the bigger problem. Now, at the same time, and I said it in the idiot, Meade's got to make that play when it happens downfield. Like, that, that's, that's where it goes really wrong. Like, it went from, oh, shit, to... Oh, this is a huge, you know, effing problem. Like, did, th- this is a real issue here. Did he think the guy was running towards the south end zone? It was the strangest thing. Like, he waited on him to, like, come to him when he when he finally chased him down at that little moment at, like, the 30-yard line. I don't know. That was that was just weird. But the whole thing about, you know, get Brian Mead off the field. He should never play again. He's nothing but Brandon Crow. Just cut that shit out. I don't want to hear that shit. Like Brian Mead has, he had a sack last last game. I mean, 
He's he's a walk-on, and he's not the elite athlete, but he's done some good things as a linebacker at Oklahoma. He's not just total trash. So get the f*** out of here with the he should never play. I don't want to hear that shit anymore. Oh, my ears but are kind of talking so much I, I'm not real far off that take. Um, I, I, I just see, like, and th- that play, I mean, okay, like, that's fine. I, I like, you know, Teddy's explanation. Like, that makes sense. There's another, and I can't remember if it was a third and one or a fourth and one, and it was in the third quarter, and he's scraping down. And if you put, and I bet money, if you put a Guaybu or White or Asamoa where he was, they meet him in the hole and they make the play. Meade's slow to get there, and Kansas State converts. And, I mean, it's not like, I, I'm not, like, the guy is what he is. I'm just saying as minimal reps as you can give him, the better. Like, he's just not on the level of your other linebackers. No, he's not. I, nobody's and, saying that he is. I mean, nobody's saying no, he should no, be a I, starter. I um, but I okay. – my, my issue also is – is and I think part of it is just I'll own it. I, I love Witter. Like, I would like to see Witter get those snaps. But, <laughs> I, you it know, like, I'll own comes that. out. No, we yeah. Like, I know what's behind I, it. I will totally own that about myself. Um, but, yeah, guys, I'm sitting here watching the replay right now. Almost everybody else on that field's playing man. Like, and I don't know what happened there. I I can't explain it. The thing, uh, carry the guy. You know, you're talking about Mead, and that's bullshit. The guy that I don't really get the hate for right now is Pat Fields. Yeah. Every yeah. time that yeah. defense doesn't play well, it's Pat Fields' fault, and I don't understand it. Like, I'm not saying he is Roy Williams or Brandon Everett or any of the great safeties we've seen at Oklahoma. But this is not a bad player. He had one bad moment, and everybody will point to it. He he. He got shaken in the open field by friggin' Deuce Vaughn, who's going to shake a lot of people before his career's over. Like, that's not the egregious thing that people are trying to turn it into. And I, I it's just, if any play happens, like, it could be a bad punt return. They're like, oh, Pat Fields had to been in on that play. Like, it's always Pat Fields. And I'm like, that's, it's just crazy. That's not the reality. To me, the one guy on defense that you can point to that says you're better than that, you're not playing up to your standards, Trey Brown so far. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been good. I I, 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 I think guys that you kind of thought going into the season that this defense was going to rely on as far as, you know, Trey Brown, did anybody have a good day on the defensive line? I mean, I don't to, think not, so. to not be able to generate any type of pass rush, and that was part of the problem, you know, even on the meat play. Skylar Thompson sat back there for six seconds. He did. My, I'm torn about this because – Guys, before that Deuce Vaughn run that tied the game, Kansas State was averaging 1.3 yards per carry. I know. I know. That's domination up front. Sure. That, that's ideal. But you're absolutely right. They weren't creating a lot of pressure. But part of me feels like, and you saw it on that last series when Justin Burroughs makes the tackle on third down, OU gets the ball back to have that last chance. On that last defensive series, OU starts dialing up the pressure again. Deshaun White's coming up the middle on blitzes. All of a sudden, Skylar Thompson's seeing some heat in his face, and he's having to get rid of the ball quicker, and Oklahoma's you know, his his throws aren't as good. He's having to kind of dump it down so the plays aren't as big. All of a sudden, plays start going in Oklahoma's direction defensively. I, I thought Oklahoma, for one of the few times I can say this about us, Grinch, I thought they got pretty comfortable in the second half and just kind of said, we're going to keep everything in front of us. Like, it just didn't look as aggressive and I thought the defense tired out partially because the offense kept giving Kansas State the ball. Interesting stat from Katie McFarland. I know that you saw this, Josh, because you retweeted it as well. Plays of 35-plus yards allowed by uh, OU's defense, 
First 11 games of the Grinch era, 10. Last three games, 35 yards or more. They've allowed 10 plays in the last three games. That's an, that's an insane number. And that goes all the way back to uh, the Baylor, Baylor game in mm-hmm. which you have a third-string quarterback yeah. throwing for those yards. So they and have they were given up the big play. dominating Baylor until that quarterback came in. Then, then all of a sudden the avalanche starts, and it has to be some type of mental thing as far as some of the guys that are on this team that have a little bit of PTSD from the 17-18 uh, years as far as, oh, shit, here we go again. And then all of a sudden the ball starts rolling down the hill. I I agree completely, Eddie. I think that's a huge part of it is just, I mean, you can see it. Like, because I, I think there are guys that don't buy into it. Like, Asamoa, I love some of the stuff you could see, like when they would go down to close shots with him, uh, you know, third down, stuff like that. He's talking to people. He's clapping. He's like, his body language is what you want it to be. But you look around at some of those older guys and you're like, you can see it. Like, it's just, it's, it's, you know, PTSD. They've been through it so many times that as soon as something goes bad, there's just an, this inevitable feeling. And, I, you know, you pick it up just watching them. Here's one thing that Lincoln Riley said yesterday, uh, which really struck me. You know, he's asked about leaders. Uh, he's asked about, you know, guys that are vocal uh, in team meetings. I mean, we all know they had guys like that. And all these guys, you know, Kenneth Murray's gone. He's first-round draft pick. Neville Gallimore's gone. Uh, you had Q Overton that was a you know, experienced guy. Uh, who else did they really lose? I'm trying to think. Um, uh, just not like Motley. Last year's team? About yeah, secondary. Motley was very vocal. I mean, uh, they just don't have... The fact that Lincoln Riley had to put Ronnie Perkins in the leader category, a guy that's not even playing, interesting. was like, wow, they really don't have anybody on the field other than Pat Fields. Uh, he mentioned, it, And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, Creed Humphrey is a leader, but it's really hard for an offensive center to lead sure. a team. Like, you're, I mean, Baker was so different at quarterback. Kyler did it in his own way. I mean, guys, that's really kind of one of the big stories. I know we've kind of shied away from it because, you know, the defense didn't play well, but I I just look at this and everyone assumed that Lincoln Riley was just going to wave a magic wand. You know, Spencer Rattler was third in the odds to win the Heisman going into the season. And, like, it was just going to be another Heisman winner. And no one stopped to think about, well, you know, he's a freshman that's never started at this level Maybe there's going to be, and from Arizona, by the way, not like from Texas or Florida that's played against really top competition. Like, he's a freshman that's going to have some growing pains. And no one no one wanted to say that because they're like, oh, Lincoln Riley will prevent that. You can't prevent, there's nothing you can do to prevent that. I don't think it's a hot take either to still say that he's going to probably still, by by the end of the year, he will be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, I think that's fair to say. There's nothing, I mean, cut down the turnover, he's still 30-41 and almost threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns on Saturday against Kansas State. It was just when the lights were on and you needed that drive that, and, you know, I think I said it on the, we said it on the postgame podcast, but, I mean, as much as it hurts me to say it, if Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for Oklahoma last Saturday, I think they might win the game. I think they might win the game. And I hate saying that, believe me. But at the same time, (laughs) like, he had that, almost that. Uh, excuse me, uh, Tony on line two. She liked 
make a call into the program? Oh, if you could put a little hello, bit of hey Tony, how are you? Background, you. <laughs> so I just like I I don't think anybody, and maybe even I don't know if you could see it on TV, Josh, but it just felt like this is asking a lot from this kid right now to lead this team down the field. With that said, though. He breaks off that yard, that the fifteen yard run that ends up getting called back. Who knows what happens if it's first and ten at the fifty with three and a half minutes left? That's the first time yeah. he's ever been in that position. I mean, sure. it really is the first time at this level, first time he's ever been in that position. Like, if he would have just just flown through that with with flying colors, we would have questioned whether he was even human or not. Sure. Judging by uh, his new haircut, I don't know if he is. Sources have said that uh, the haircut has been they're gone has been remedied. Yeah. I, I, that's, I have that's heard a that smart decision. I, mean, I actually. What do you bet they never? Returned? I think they should have done it at halftime. I actually, <laughs> you know what? The kid's got a chance. <laughs> that's how I feel. He gets it. this kid just gets, <laughs> he it. gets it. He gets it. He does. He has it. You, you don't mess with Juju, man. You can't uh, just leave that stuff alone, man. Don't don't go messing with your hair when you're playing well. That that's crazy. And not to but mention no. that a lot of what Oklahoma did offensively on Saturday was basically overshadowed with the inability to run the ball in the fourth quarter because Drake Stoops had a nice game. I thought what they did with the H-backs and Austin Stogner specifically, like he is going to be, is he num the number one outlet for Spencer Rattler right now? I'd and, have to say and yes. I think, I think yeah, no. Theo Wees can get more and more involved. I think he's a guy that Rattler can trust, that can make plays, that can most sure. importantly get open sure. on a regular basis. More so than Rambo's oh, I, shown to do. I liked what they were doing with rolling him out, and I mean, Weiss was finding the yardage stick and standing right there. It was. I thought that they converted a couple plays in between the first and third quarters. Like if you can take the first through three quarters and two-ish minutes, there's a lot to like there. There's a lot of reason to think that if you can replicate that in Ames this weekend, OU's going to probably win the game. But it was the bad that just overshadowed everything and. You know, I it was just a it was a meltdown. I I don't think there was. I'm more worried about how they responded to the comeback from Kansas State than I am anything that else that happened in the game. I thought they kind of rolled over and, you know, for a lack of better terms, took it like a bunch of bunk bitches. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. All right. By the way, we want to mention you guys, uh, our great sponsor to the podcast, uh, brand new to the podcast, DeadSoxy.com. Uh, they've got uh, great socks all uh, for, for men, women. A lot of people on the site have been going and uh, ordering them. Uh, they've got the patented no-slip silicone beads and the welt to prevent uh, the uh, dreaded slippage. They've got the crimson and cream color waves to support your favorite college program. Uh, and also uh, high-quality source fabrics that up your sock game to the next level. Eddie and I have both received uh, care packages from Dead Soxy. Uh, we both wore the socks, and uh, Eddie, I know you wore yours on game day, right? This, oh, absolutely, and I was walking no around shows. all over Norman, and it was awesome because they're comfortable AF. I don't buy socks from Walmart anymore. I only wear dead socks, and well, you can do you. the same. 30% off promo code exclusively for Sooner Scoop. Enter keyword boomer at checkout. They're the most comfortable sock I've ever worn. Never really thought I'd be a big sock guy, but they really have changed the way that I uh, I walk around. And I think that you can wear them out on the golf course as well because you can't see them. You don't have to, you know, you, you used to have to flip up the bo the backside of your socks so you didn't see them from your golf shoes. I know the golf people will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> They're perfect for golf. You won't look like a poor out there on the golf course. And you don't want to do that. 
Uh, all right, uh, head over to deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use your promo code BOOMER for 30% off the best dress socks that you've ever put on. And as always, stay soxy. Look, I, and look, you mentioned the running back, guys. I think that's something that we need to bring up. Uh, I, that's another thing. Like, losing Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, they just don't have a back as good as either one of those guys right now. It was brought up on uh, on Gabe's little breakdowns that he put up on uh, Twitter. Kennedy Brooks makes a couple of those guys miss. Yeah. And all this. And I think it was. I've given Jalen Hurts some love. I'm about to give Dean Blevins some love. This is a, I'm turning the corner. Is it true they haven't had a run over 15 yards this year? I think that is true. No, because Mc- yeah, because it, it was didn't Rambo McGowan have the big touchdown the run against Missouri State? That was reversed. a scre- that was a screen pass. You're right. You're right. Okay, you're right. Which is just kind of unbelievable, considering. I mean, you couldn't have a 15 plus yard run against Missouri State. That tells you everything that you need to know about what is happening with this run game right now. I am a little concerned that we didn't see Marcus Major. Like, if he's already banged up, that's that's already kind of a concern. Do you think well, that's what that is? A couple times by the coaching staff when he was trying to come in, and they grabbed him and put threw him back on the sideline. Never this good at when you're getting a DNP coach's decision in the second game of the year. Yeah. Um. So we've got two carries over 20 yards, at least two. Okay. Well then, Charleston Rambo on that one of the reverses. Right. Way to go, the Eddie! Dean. Dean. You come on, Dean. Behind Dean. Seth, Seth McGowan did have a 23 yard run. Okay. So Dean's I, they may fake have stats. had more than that, fake but news, those are their stats. two longs for the year. Those and oh, Chandler Morris had a 16-yard run. I think it was running backs, just by the running backs. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, yeah, it, it was going to be a miracle that that game was played. By the way, this we week. did get a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny Spencer how Rattler, like, that hasn't come up at all this week. <laughs> I don't know. It's just kind of weird. I, I think you're dead on, Eddie, that Jalen Hurts wins that game. And, and it doesn't bring me any more joy to make that admission either. But when that offensive line started breaking down, that plays right into what Jalen Hurts' problem was last year. First guy's not there, run. First guy, you know, just over and over and over again. He just had better O-line play last year sure. for whatever reason. I still can't quite explain why that's a problem. But, um, but you know, with, with Rattler, he, I – I, and I said it after Missouri State, his clock's got to speed up a little bit. There are times when, yeah, the O-line may not be blocking perfectly, but they're doing enough, and he's got to find an option or get rid of it. Like, he's, I do, mean, he's do you struggling chalk- with the speed yeah. of the college game. I, I exactly. Agree. So you just chalk that up to a guy that literally hadn't played a – I mean, it was excuse, but – that was the first Division One opponent he had ever played. I mean, I would imagine the speed is a little bit different. It's coming at him faster than he can process sure. it. It's freaking him out. Sure. I'm certainly not saying that's all of it. The O-line has not helped him as much as you would have thought they would. But, there, I mean, like, there were times, and I, I think I said it on Twitter, I was like, he's starting to feel pressure that's not there. Right, like, yeah. As soon yeah. as the snap would happen, he's breaking out right. And you're like, you're, you're making that easier. That's easier for that Duke kid to just run around Anton Harrison than to have to go through him to get to you. You're, you're just making it a foot race, and you're not fast enough. In high school, he was probably a good enough athlete he could just run away from people. He's learning that these defensive ends at this level, guys like Hubert and Duke at Kansas State are good, two good players, they're going to run you down. You can't do that. And so he's got to learn and get comfortable stepping into that pocket, which 
normally you would think is a good thing because that's where his experience and that's where you know two, the probably the two best offensive linemen should be between Humphrey and Hayes. Now Hayes didn't have a great game either, um, so they've got a lot no. to work out. But like I said, he's got to do some things to help the def- or excuse me the offensive line as well. And the thing about Rattler is he has to kind of learn, you know, when. When to, when to leave? I mean, he really does. He has to learn. There's some opportunities for him, the way they were playing with two deep safeties, that you know, if Lincoln would have called probably more quarterback draws, they could have taken advantage of it. I know a lot of people were like, why aren't they doing that? Uh, but it's kind of like, like, I watch Baker Sunday. I think we can all agree, Baker's not setting any land speed. He's a 4-7 guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's quick. But he has a really innate sense of when to take, when to use his feet, and when he can get some yards, versus you know when to just go ahead and try and get a pass off and take a sack if you have to. Like he knows when it's a wasted opportunity to run the football. And it's been a little bit of a learning process just in the NFL as far as like I used to get away with this in college, yeah, and now he tries to do, he tries to do it and he sack you know for a four yard right. loss because he just he's not as fast as the other guys, right. But I mean, he he has a. That's what Spencer needs to develop. Kind of what Baker has, just that that sense of when is it my time sure. to pull it down and go, and when should I just stick with this because that's the only way I'm going to make. I it I don't play. know if you could hear it on TV, but uh, in in the stadium, like on a couple of those plays when you could tell there was just nobody in the middle of the field, you could hear like the groan from the crowd, oh, like really? like run, like you know, it it just was. I don't know. It, maybe I noticed it more because there was less people in the stadium, and it's just like maybe those are the people that always yell at games. But uh, you could just tell, like, there was nobody in the middle of the field. Why didn't you take advantage of it? But then again, like, you know, I thought his pocket presence, it wore on after he'd been sacked a couple times, and you start hearing ghosts or whatever that phrase is. You what know is what, it? Eddie? Uh, yes, he, seeing ghosts. Seeing ghosts. Yeah. I guess you can't hear ghosts because you but could you see well, Sam McDo- uh, Sam Darnold got caught talking about that on the bench, but that's a pretty common phrase. I I I will say, Eddie, I don't want to say that I I didn't hear that since I wasn't at the stadium, and I also don't want to say that's the reason OU lost is because they didn't let me have a press box seat. I uh, I mean, all we know all we know is you've been one to know when OU's in the stadium yes. and knowing one when you haven't. Exactly. Luckily for Oklahoma fans, you're headed to Ames this week. I am headed to Ames, so, so if they win, I mean, there might be something you're to welcome. it. There might be something to it. <laughs> Looks yeah. like I'm staying home. No, you are staying home. There's no room for you. So Rest I'm, of the season, I'll be staying home. I, I could make that deal. I don't mind that deal. <laughs> I know you want to stay home with Pearl and watch the game. Oh, man, I can't. No, that's no. That's I'm bad. I'm anxious to hear about Bob. That needs to be a segment next week. Bob's <laughs> we game watching at home with the child. Like that's we'll get be... GoPro set up. Yeah, exactly. We'll broadcast it <laughs> on Patreon. It See how many times he actually drops the kid on its head. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. I better stop, or I'm gonna get in trouble. By the way, Tif- Tiffany is going out of town this weekend, so I also. I, I'm oh, going to be dealing with children solo while uh, trying to watch the game. So that's it, it's going to be a really interesting weekend uh, for the Sooner Scoop crew. I would literally buy a big cage to put them in. So <laughs> they would just be right. I could see them and know that they're not dying. 
Yes. But that they couldn't bother me. It would. I mean, I'd put stuff in it. You know, a big cage. The baby I'm talking gates. About. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're you're not crazy. There's people have baby gates all over the place. I guess a roof. My office could be a cage. Sure. Sure. Of course, um, they, like with Josh, they'd screw with all the buttons on the. Oh, for sure. No. Oh. Yep. My, Laney, you've got a chance that that's going to work. Layla will find a way to burn your house down. <laughs> <laughs> that girl does not play. <laughs> she is a problem. I have a lot of. Uh, I could order a lot of sound isolation uh, foam. They can okay. make my life better. Now we're talking. Anyway, um, so I, Josh or Bob, anything else of the game that you wanted to throw out there that just kind of is is as we wrap it up and kind of move on to Iowa State that just kind of is stuck in your mind? or I guess the only thing is, is Alex Grinch trying too hard to find depth. When you're having three and outs like crazy in the first half, is there a reason that Deshaun White, Brian Osamoa, Nick Benito, guys like that, need to even be taken off the field? I mean, I know he wants the top 22, but if your top 11 point, are, are doing what they need to do, why tinker with it? I think the answer is that's just who Alex Grinch is, and that's what he's going to do. Because uh, Does it throw that, people off their rhythm? No, they, it's because that's, like that? that's the very definition of speed D. He wants guys fresh. He wants them flying around. Uh, and, you know, even if there is a little bit of a drop-off, which he's not accepting, that's his philosophy. It's just what you have... You have Alex Grinch as your defensive coordinator. You have rotating players. That's what he believes, and that's who he is. I don't think that he's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's not working that well, so I'm going to stop. It's like... It's like saying, "Okay, we're gonna stop getting turn. We're gonna stop trying for turnovers because we're not getting any." I mean, shit, they did it without "quote unquote" depth a year ago. Now that they have some guys that they can throw out there, I don't think it's gonna stop. But I, I do think that. I mean, Woody it's Washington a good question, was the Bob. leading tackler at halftime. It's crazy, and he didn't start I guess it's the not game. Crazy, but. I mean, if you can get the right depth and sure. young depth, I mean, it works. You know, I, I, I do think it's interesting just as far as the defense goes is just the inability to just force any type of turnover. And I know that that is kind of, I guess, one of the talking points that has come out of the first two games is the fact that Oklahoma hasn't been able to do that. They haven't been able to do it a year ago. Well, they had a turnover in game one. Well, yeah, but like not multiple, not, not, they what, they, not what they preach. Like, I'm kind of at the point almost where I know they want to force turnovers, but when you say it as much as they do, I think it's almost a mentality thing as much as it is actually going out and forcing five turnovers a game. You would think they would just have more just by happenstance at this point. I know. Yeah. That, that's like one of those things. It's like I watch you watch football all weekend. Miami, I felt like the Miami-Louisville game, they were putting on the damn turnover chain every other series. <laughs> oh, you can't. like, And this is a complete OU Homer thing to say, but it's like, it never feels like a team puts the ball on the ground against Oklahoma. They never are in the in the spot where it's like, oh, there's the ball, like the like the Caleb Kelly uh, touchdown return the in West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. Yeah, that rarely happens. It seems like to it Oklahoma, like- except to have the Kurt- Curtis Bolt that exact same game happened twice in one game. Strange things happen in Morgantown. By the way, I mean, Josh, would you say part of that is just that OU is not just relentless with pressure? I mean, they just don't seem to make a team 
flabbergasted almost is is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I I, I feel like there is, and you know, this is pre Alex Grinch. There's just always been this thing where it seems like Oklahoma has to mix it up. Like not not going to be like, well, we're having a lot of success putting pressure in Skylar Thompson's face or whoever. Let's just keep it going. Let's just keep hammering that until they figure out a way to solve that. Instead, it's more like, well, we blitzed them on first and second. We're going to drop coverage on third. Like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you want to be formulaic about it. You want to you want to have surprise. But man, you know, like I think back to it's always a game I think about when I think about a quarterback under pressure. That Kansas State Oklahoma game way back in oh oh one when Nate Hibble just gets massacred. I mean, just, and Kansas State, that was the only way they were stopping Oklahoma. They just kept coming and coming and coming. And it was the only chance they had to get off the field, and so that's what they did. And I feel like Oklahoma sometimes will just, not like for, you know, like, oh, we don't want to hit him. It's just almost like, well, we it's time for us to mix it up. Like, well, why? Like, why change it if that's what's working? I Like I said, I thought, and I, I would like to go back and look at it, and see what the blitzes were like. But it felt like, to me, almost through the entire second half, but definitely later in the third quarter and into the fourth, there was a, let's just hold on to this thing. Like, let's just kind of back off. We're going to try to prevent big plays. And obviously the exact opposite happened. Which is, and by the way, real quick on defense, uh, one guy that we haven't pointed out that I thought played pretty pretty damn well. I thought Buki played pretty good on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, he had a great. Yep. He did. He really like, did. A couple, a couple tackles right at the sticks. It was like, holy shit! Like, who is the this first guy? half? He was phenomenal. Yeah, he was. He was awesome. The uh, problem is everybody just kind of was so blah and yeah. just, just nothing in the second. Not one person really stood out in the second half at no. all. And and I think that's where you get into the point. Like, if they are becoming conservative in the second half, offensive and defensively. It's kind of the what we talked about carry on the post game podcast was just the fact that like this and, and I think Riley kind of said it on uh, Tuesday when we talked to him. It's a little bit of a look in the mirror moment for Oklahoma and how why are they building these leads and unable to basically put the foot on the throat of the opposition? I don't know, I, look, and I don't know what that answer moment is for uh, Riley. Sure. Oh, absolutely. The thing I wanted to ask, and it's honestly, you know, I think when, and, and this is true of all of us, like when you watch the games week in and week out and you watch it as closely as we do and we go back and we talk about everything, I think sometimes you get caught up in the minutia and you forget the bigger things. I don't know that I recognized that penalties and turnovers have, I mean, like turnovers probably yes over the last year and a half because Grinch has made it such a big thing and has put such a spotlight on it. But both giveaways and takeaways being problematic and penalties. Like, I don't think I recognize that Oklahoma was as bad in those categories as they are. I mean, it's there, and that's always, you know, and it's, it's an old school style of looking at things, but that always has been something people have said, well, that's a discipline problem. Like, that's a team that's not disciplined as penalties and turnovers and those kind of things. Like, do you put stock in that? I mean, is that a real question that has to be asked? I mean, I here I don't know if they're a full blown discipline problem, but they do have lapses where it's like you got to be better than that, man. I think Marquise Hayes has discipline problems on the offensive line. Sure. Uh, here's Josh. This is kind of how I I look at it. Like 
it's a lot more glaring the last two years because and it was very glaring for Oklahoma on Saturday. You know why? Because every time Oklahoma would make a play, which wasn't often offensively, it would get called back because of a penalty. Yep. Yet when Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield were the quarterback, they could overcome that shit like it was nothing. Like they're they're third and one and they get a holding penalty, and it goes to 3rd and 11, they just pick up 3rd and 11. It's like, okay, well, this is just an opportunity to get some more passing yards. Yeah, but I mean... for Kyler to pick it up with his feet. That was never going to happen in the second half of that game against Kansas State. Every play was gold. I mean, like, every little advancement that they could make or every, every time they could make something happen, like, that was less common than just a play that resulted in nothing. So when they have a penalty the last couple of years, and Jalen Hurts was a lot of the same way, when you have a penalty and it takes away uh, a potential first down, you're probably not getting that first down again. No. So it's, it's allowed us, I think, and it's probably allowed Lincoln Riley to overlook that his teams aren't that disciplined. I, I would have to think, too, from the defensive side of the ball and the guys that have been out there and you know have played over the last couple of years, as much as they don't want to admit it, they've relied on the offense bailing their ass out time and time again. Mm-hmm. They haven't had to come up with stops. And credit to them. They technically did get the ball back in Oklahoma's hands, even though there was only 49 seconds left, which you know we can debate that forever. I think it was a kind of an ignorant decision to punt there. But they did come up with stops. They just that you have to eliminate the big plays. Or you're going to be in this position time and time again all year. Yeah, I mean, the punt, the punt was along with the momentum of the game, which is the offense wasn't doing anything. Sure. Well, and the turnovers. I mean, the turnover. You 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 eliminate the turnovers. Oklahoma probably wins the game. I thought the Seth McGowan fumble completely changed the yeah complexion of that game. And I don't really put that on him as like it was a great play, you know. Oh, that was a terrible play by a freshman. It was just, it was that was a great defensive it was play, a great hit. Ball guy, came out. Guy, I think the guy won uh, Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Week. I mean, it was just it was just a shit show. It really was. No doubt. Now they move on to uh, Iowa State and you know a place and a, a team that is. Be honest, they they've given OU trouble over the last couple of years, and they'll have fans in the stands. Not that you know, it's for the first time this year. Not that, uh, not that uh, you know, that's really going to be a factor. Or it should be a factor. No, but I don't know what the I haven't looked up the weather to see what it's going to be like. Be up beautiful, there. is it mid fifties? Be nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're on the road in a hostile environment for the first time, Spencer Rattler. You're playing against a defense that's probably going to employ some of the same tactics that Kansas State did because they always play that umbrella defense. They're going to try and take away the deep ball. Uh, can you run the ball? You know, Can the offensive line get in shape? Uh, and defensively, I mean, Brock Purdy, he's kind of the joke of college football because that play he had at TCU where he throws it backwards when he's going down. It's Never seen something like that. One of the worst like plays I've ever seen. But at the same <laughs> that was time, Landry Jones esque. They still won the game and put up thirty seven points against TCU, which sure. usually is pretty good defensively in Fort Worth. Like they're and they they I mean they're scary because they always suck in the beginning, and then they always come back and make problems for everybody. It will be a tough game. 
with that said, I, it's a game that Oklahoma should go up and win. They have to win. I mean, well, I don't right. think that's a that's definitely not a hot take by any means. It's not. I mean, well, they're favored by what seven? Seven ish. I mean, they have to win this game. I'd hope that it gets otherwise, down to like, like five and a half, and then you jump. Otherwise, I mean, you are staring at one and three in the face. And when's the last time you could say that for an Oklahoma? I mean, they lost to Houston and Ohio State, and they started out one and two. And they went to TCU. Lincoln kind of talked about this this week. Got down 21-7. Samaj P. Right? Remember, that's when uh, Ben Powers came in at left guard and kind of totally changed the complexion of that offensive line. woke up. Yeah. DB's first two touchdowns. And, and OU just kind of blew their doors off in the end. I mean, you never really blow TCU's doors off at home, but down 21-7, they just ran right past them. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the biggest question mark coming out of Saturday, I'm not as worried about, you know, the things that happened within the game as much as the response. And, you know, I, I think that it was a valid question asking about leadership yesterday or uh, Tuesday to Lincoln Riley, uh, who are going to be the guys that kind of keep this thing together? Because in recent years, it's been, whether it's a Jalen Hurts calling a team meeting or a Kenneth Murray speaking out or a Kyler Murray, uh, you know, whoever, Baker Mayfield, they've always kind of relied on a on that faction or that group of guys to be the outspoken guys. And, you know, I, I think, you know, Kerry, you wrote the story and you talked to Jeremiah Hall yesterday about it. I think that group of guys... They have to kind of keep this thing together, and all of a sudden, if they don't, you're going to be one and three after Texas, and all hell really will break loose around here. Yeah, at the, the first quarter, it's going to be so pivotal just to see the body language, just to see if any doubts start to creep in, or is this a group that has put it in the past and knows what type of team they're capable of being, which is sort of what Riley's been preaching, too. It's like, you know, if we're who we think we should be or who who we are then we'll use saturday and we'll figure out what went wrong and we'll use it to make sure that we don't do it again and you'll see the first signs of that in Ames. well if you come out and you you know you come out and get down and uh things don't go well in the first half and they look like they're defeated there is a question about the culture of the program that i mean that's the softest thing i've ever heard if that's where if that were to be the case I mean, what it comes down to is is you got a bunch of guys that are, you know, most part pretty big recruits playing a game. Some of those guys have to step up, yeah, and no you doubt. have to find some playmakers because there are no playmakers on the defensive side of the ball right now. Who's going to be that guy that, that forces a turnover and, and then you, you start, start moving in the right direction? Sure. in the first half, sure. but that's about it. Sure. I mean, I think Asamoah and... and Deshaun have done some decent things, but the defensive line's been wildly inconsistent. I can't say that we've seen Perry on Winfrey flash at all. That was probably my biggest takeaway from, or not biggest, but like that was a little bit worrisome that you don't like. I thought, you know, after you see him against Missouri State, it's like, all right, there's a lot to like there. He was in the backfield, he's pushing people around. And I mean, I can't think of a play on Saturday against Kansas State that you go, ooh, Perry on Winfrey, that looked good. Especially when Kansas State was down, all those guys in the secondary and the offensive line was the same group that had problems against Arkansas State. Sure. That's where you thought those guys were really going to make a move, and they just did not do it. No. And Iowa State, I mean, if they get, if Brock Purdy has time, he can carve you up. So 
they've just got to, and you know, I think Lincoln is pretty clear that, you know, they're handling this the way that they always handle it after a tough loss. They're challenging guys. Uh, he feels good about the way things are going so far, the way the team will react. It's a it's a proud program, a lot of pride. It's just you know they they're talking about they got the ten part series, the standard. Are you really the standard? Or are you substandard? In the tenth series or in the tenth episode, are they going to get their ass kicked in the college football playoff? <laughs> Seems to be the standard. Uh, uh, wow, wow, just a wow, just no. a shot at a. Wow. Oh, we're all having fun here. It's just a good time. Uh, <laughs> I do think it's funny, though, that, you know, well, I guess it's not funny. Never mind. I'm already digging holes. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm acting out because it's playoff. It's playoff Wednesday. I'm scoop, nervous. Right? I'm just acting no out. Doubt. It's playoff baseball. It's baseball season anyways. Um, good luck with that. My Royals suck. I think say the royal season go well? No, it did not. Not when you you can't make the playoffs when there's 17 teams or whatever. <laughs> did it not it was not a good season. Uh all right, so I'll be in Ames uh coming up this weekend. It's a whole weird deal. Like we didn't even find out until yesterday that we even could be in the press box and that's just kind of how this year is going. Um I know there's been high school games canceled. There's been uh, Texas is on the verge of getting ready to start. Josh, I mean, wh- what what does it look like in the state of Texas right now in terms of uh, you know games and starting and cancellations and 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 how widespread is it there? Because I know in Oklahoma, you guys covered Edlam on Monday night, and that was a postponement from yep. Friday. Yeah. And then those guys are going to turn around and play. Fr- are going to play Friday, so Memorial and San Fe will play two games in five days. You didn't no seem... clue how that's going to go. Go down. Bob is kind of uh, he's having a tough time of it. He I don't have you not seen any significant performances so far this year, Bob. The best one so far is Jordan Mukes, and that was you know on a weighted scale or a little bit of like where you were kind of hoping to see something you know i thought we were going to go out to uh canadian texas home of tanner schaefer to see brennan thompson the 2022 receiver target and that dude's just been putting up numbers like crazy i was like all right i'm finally i'm going to see a game where the guy that I, i go watch goes off and then of course we get the news last night that that game has been canceled and so now i'm kind of struggling try to find something but yeah i mean you know, seen good outings, but, you know, nothing that is, you know, you go to see Talon Shetron and he gets three catches for 21 yards because Memorial's like, you're not going to beat us. Santa Fe still scores 46. But, yeah, Talon didn't beat them. So, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't been a strong first month of the season for me in terms of seeing the guys and watching them show up. Don't they know that the people need good video right now to lift their spirits? I told Josh on Tuesday night when Something we were with this BS when we were at the shut people down Booker T Choctaw game. It's like someday we're going to go to a game and they're going to run straight at the uh, Oklahoma commit. It seems like it never works out like that, and I wonder why. <laughs> it's well, not like you know, when we went to see uh, Lath Harlow, and that game <laughs> sucked, and then his coach was like, 
we wanted to leave. His coach was like, no, no, stay. I'm going to put him in. We're going to do some stuff for him. Yeah, we, that was totally worth it, I think it, walking out it? into the parking lot, we could have uh, told you that that wasn't going to work. Totally out. worth it because his career turned out awesome. Was that a uh, was that a Bruce Kittle think operation? Yes. Yeah, no, I think so. Bruce so, Kittle. guys, we've talked a lot about us traveling into SEC territory and not having luck, but game day viewings for you guys include Dante Manning, uh, Lath <laughs> Harlow, uh, Doyle Green Beckham, Doyle Green Beckham, uh, Tavion Thomas, Tavion Thomas, Tavion was- <laughs> Thomas. My God. <laughs> It's a good thing we didn't go see Brian Osamoa that weekend. He wouldn't even be here. If the Center Scoop crew comes to see you out of state, you're either not going to OU or you're going to end up being a bust. Congratulations. And most of the time we go, they are commitments already. Or, you know, or we feel really good that they're going to be a commitment. And then it just totally falls apart. It's it's always I'm on alert now with Danny Stutzman. Like I'm watching him like a hawk. Um, Mario Williams. Oh, Josh, will he end up Mario at OU? Your thoughts yeah. on, on Mukes now, now that you've gotten to see him. Yeah, you know, and, and I saw him in the spring, or I guess in the summer, uh, basically as a spring practice type setup. But, um, you know, you see what Oklahoma likes. I mean, he is big, long. He's put on some good weight. Uh, he's a bigger guy than you think he is, kind of bigger, broader shouldered, you know, obviously just unbelievable length arms legs i mean he really he's one of those guys if he's near the passing lane he's going to disrupt it but uh, you know you, you can't pretend and uh, that he that he had a particularly great game against booker t he didn't um missed some key tackles um i thought as the game late in the game i thought he got a little rattled um you know there was a lot of booker t the sidelines kind of chirping at him and obviously they knew who he was and was you know trying to trying to mess him up a little bit. And I, I thought at times that I don't know if that bothered him, but it, it's, it looked like it did. Um, but, you know, like I said, I mean, this is one of those things um, where Oklahoma right now defensively is not going to go get the six foot three, 180-pound safety that can run who also has the best tape in the country. Those guys are going to Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State. They've got to find the guys that have all the potential – but aren't that guy yet. To me, I think the biggest thing for, for Mukes is just figuring out that he is the best athlete on the field. Like I, I think at times he acts like a guy that isn't sure that he's the guy that can go make the play. And I'm like, just go do it. You're, you're that guy. You're that guy, Choctaw. If a big play is going to be made, it's going to be you. And so he, he, I mean, and he had, I know two weeks ago, he dropped an interception. He almost had one against Booker T as well. And again, I think it's just him. He's still, he's still figuring all of this out. Like there is, um, there's just so much basketball in there for him. I think he's really figuring out the football side of things. And I, I think once he stops thinking and can just play and be the athlete that he is, there's a lot of potential there, but the, the gap from where he is now to where OU will need him to be to be a guy that can start and really make an impact for them, it's it's a big hill to climb. But I think, and people say, well, what about Kendall Daniels? I think this is the difference. You've seen in Jordan Mooks big improvement, not only on the field, but in the weight room. He has shown you signs that he is a guy that will put in the work to develop his talent. I think that was the question about Kendall Daniels. Would he commit himself to football in the way he needed to? And I think Mukes has given you reason to believe that he will do that 
but people are going to have to be patient with him. All right, I know we're running out of time here, guys, uh, but uh, Sooners get a, com- a commitment, a nice commitment on a Sunday uh, after the loss to Kansas State. Always awkward when it works out like shitty weekend, but bright spot at the end. Well, and it kind of goes to show you that recruits, they I always tell this to people, you know, recruits lose games too. Yeah. Like, they get it. You don't win every game. It's not the end of the world to them. And I think there's also a little bit in the back of their mind, I'm going to be the guy that doesn't lose those games. Uh, yeah, exactly. Josh, uh, tell us about OU's newest commitment. Obviously, uh, someone very close uh, and personal to Caleb Williams as well. Yeah, you know, this was a guy that I think we all just kind of assumed was going to be part of this class, um, you know, last year. or Not last year. When um, when Caleb Williams made his decision back on the 4th of July, this felt inevitable. Then he came to the Sooner Summit and seemed to have a good time. So this wasn't, you know, a huge surprise. As Jalel Farouk, we haven't said his name. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you were going to say his name right off the bat. Uh, I, I thought I – God, I thought I did. Sorry. Um, I, I was <laughs> – I was, I'll be honest, I was looking for ammunition to back up the decision um, of Farouk. You know, like, oh, yeah, he's going to commit to OU. He's lost football games. I was like, okay, okay he won. He went 15-0, and and they won state last year in Maryland. So he doesn't really apply to this conversation, but I'm sure Jalil Farouk has sorry, lost the football so game I'm sorry, you're so much before. smarter than I am. No, 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 no. I was backing you up. I was going to yeah. say, yes, this is true, but in this case, no, he just happens to play for a really, really good team. Um, but anyway, so um, this is a guy that I, I think is really interesting in a lot of ways. I think he is one of those receivers, and, and I've said it before, I think he can play outside. I think he can play in the slot. I think he can run a lot of different routes. I think he is one of those guys um, that really will do what you need him to do. I don't think he is the elite speed guy, but if you wanted a, a receiver that's physical enough to go over the middle make plays, can break some tackles while he's there, and and make something out of a short play. I think he can do that. Where I think he gets really interesting, and it's funny because you guys let it in with talking about, you know, bad or good news following bad. Well, the question always is in that scenario, well, can he play safety? Can he play defense for Oklahoma? I think he could. I I think he's a really talented defender. So if, if Oklahoma's receiver recruiting continues to go as we're seeing it, and that 2022 class is as good as I think it might be at receiver, maybe Oklahoma comes back to him after a year or so and says, hey, you know, we're happy with you at receiver. You can stay here if you want to do that. Or we've got an option at safety and we need some help there where maybe you could come on and play earlier over there and be a, you know, maybe be a starter, maybe be a big-time guy for us. I I will be interested to see if he takes that role because, you know, you watch him for wise uh, in Maryland. He makes a lot of plays defensively. This isn't a guy that you would just put over there kind of as a wing and a prayer. There's there's reason to think that maybe he could be a safety for Oklahoma. All right. We are uh, out of time because we have got to get to uh, some more media today. Alex Grinch, that's what you get for Wednesdays. Uh, we're trying to crash this uh, or, or squash this in uh, between uh, radio and media stuff. So, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. Uh I will be on the road to Ames, uh, Iowa over the weekend to uh, cover Oklahoma's game uh, with the Cyclones, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Sooners obviously need a win very, very badly. Probably Lincoln Riley's biggest game uh, since he's been a head coach, at least in the regular season. So going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, We'll talk some more recruiting. Uh, Just real quick, uh, guys, Josh, 
You want to hit up on uh, what people can expect 